Good. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, uh, there's something that won't quite uh, get out of my head, so I'm going to just go with something, which might mean that the talk is a little bit shorter. You won't mind that. Um, but when we hear testimony, uh, when somebody is brave, bold enough, uh, or just frankly remembers uh, to, to pass on a story, um, part of that is uh, God uses, doesn't he, to grow faith in others, particularly when that might speak to their situation, right? We, we, we've learned that over the years. That's why we share stories here as much as we can. I think there's something, particularly in Eliot's message, that is really, really important for those who are in a time of waiting. And I don't want to wait actually till the end of the message when you might want to begin to do other things. I, I just think the Lord might want to do something about that now. Uh, it also ties in with another little message or word or sense that I had from, from the Lord as I was just praying about tonight, which is for those who might, uh, you might say of yourself that you've lost heart in some way. Uh, there's, there's some, whatever it is that's caused that. If you've been watching the Winter Olympics, yesterday for me encapsulated something of the extremes of human experience uh, amongst the British athletes. I think we had a couple of, uh, two or three people on the podium, didn't we? Uh, the fulfillment of an amazing dream, four years worth of work and their, their dream is fulfilled and they get to, to the gold medal and, and there's complete euphoria and total joy. At the same time, there's another poor girl who's been working for another four years uh, the skater, um, uh, somebody help me with her name, Elise, Elise Christie, uh, who, who actually crashed out of uh, her events four years ago in that Olympics, and she then crashes out in her two events and is injured and, it, and, and heads off the ice rink in a stretcher. And there's some, I know, I, I'm not saying that she's lost heart at all, but there's something about um, human life in that. And in, the, in this room tonight, there will be those who are on the podium of life, as it were, in, in that place. Uh, there'll be people in the middle and, and, and life is just trundling along. But I just think that God has got something for those who, are, who, who have lost heart, who are hard-pressed, who are in a tough spot. Um, and if that's you, could I ask you to stand? Could you do a very brave thing? Would that be okay? And just stand. If you're somebody who's uh, in a really tough place, you've lost heart, uh, or, and, or you're in a place of waiting, where waiting is quite tough. You feel that there's something coming. Uh, you don't want to make it happen because... Um, uh, Jesus says uh, we're not necessarily to make stuff happen. We need to trust him for what's coming. Um, but that's hard. Waiting can be hard. Eliot's story is of God breaking through with us suddenly. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it doesn't. But the point of Eliot's story is he managed to cling on in trust. Not all the time. Sometimes he started knocking doors down and it wasn't very fruitful. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's not to expose you. It's just because actually the Lord's here. He wants to, to bless you and use the body to bless you. So, so if you're near one of those folks who are standing, could, would you mind just standing too and just gathering around them and just putting a hand on a um, hand on a shoulder, please? Let's make sure that everybody's covered. This gentleman in the middle here, just just come, just make your way. So it's either you don't need to say which it is. The Lord knows. Either somebody who's in a in, the, in that very difficult place of huge disappointment and and losing heart because of something that's happened, because of difficult circumstances, or you're in that place of waiting, and it's really hard to keep waiting faithfully and trusting. And I'll lead us in prayer, but if you're one of those who's got a hand on a shoulder, would you mind just kind of murmuring and adding your prayers in your heart or out loud as I pray? Let's be the, let's be the body of Christ together. If you're a visitor, sorry we get a bit messy at times, but um, you, you get the sentiment of what's going on. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're always with us. 
Thank you that you're good all of the time. Thank you that your intentions towards us are good all of the time. Thank you that we are the the object of your affection all of the time. And Lord, we don't pretend to understand everything that goes on in life. We don't pretend to to be able to figure it all out. But actually, mercifully, Lord, you say we don't need to figure it all out. You just invite us to keep bringing ourselves before you in raw authenticity and honesty. And Lord, thank you for those who... Uh, have just, as it were, indicated that place of difficulty that they're in, whether it's because they're waiting and that breakthrough hasn't yet happened, or whether it's because there's, there's an ebbing away of confidence in their heart that has left them in a place of real difficulty and discouragement. And Lord, we're speaking in Jesus' name, we're speaking life. In Jesus' name, we're speaking life. We're speaking grace to hang on, grace to trust, courage to keep going, the awareness of God who is a good Father in our midst. Team, you pray. Get praying. Just, just pray. Just pray. Father, come. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do what you love to do. Bring encouragement. Bring affirmation. Bring words. Bring your promise. Thank you that you never leave or abandon, Lord, even when it feels like you do. To those who are losing heart, God, we pray your heart connecting with theirs with fresh life and fresh energy. And those sparks of hope. Hope is here, says God. Hope is here. Receive that if that's you. Hope is here. Hope is here. Paul says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart. Outwardly, we may be wasting away. In other words, circumstances are really difficult. But actually, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is unseen is temporary, but what is, what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. God, would you give your grace to these precious folks, sons and daughters of yours, to have grace to, to, to fix their gaze not on the stuff around them, not even on the stuff that's in their own hearts, but on you. Loving Father, would you do that? Would you enable them to do that? And in so doing, God, fill them with a fresh hope tonight and meet them where they're at. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just felt good to do that. And, and, and let's continue to pray. And we look forward to uh, testimonies, by the way. Keep, keep those testimonies coming. I believe there'll be testimonies, even from tonight, of, um, of God doing good things. So uh, if do, do you, know, you know about word association, right? Where I say a word and you have to associate immediately. What's the first thing that comes into your head? Uh, if you're friendly enough with your neighbor, you could turn to them at this moment and give them uh, your reaction to this. Word association, what do you associate with the word um, Ed Sheeran? <laughs> I heard a few of those. Uh, okay, next one. Take that. Next one. Um, Arsenal Football Club. Come on. Come on. Don't start laughing. It's just not right. Um, one more. Uh, ski jumping. Okay, and whatever. Here's the next one. Don't shout that. Shout it out, but, but re- recognize your own reaction to this word. Church. Okay, church. Hold on to that first thought, by the way, the very first thought. Uh, already some of you are moving on to second and third thoughts because you're a bit guilty about the first thought that you had. 
But it's in, it is interesting. I, I do believe that there's something about the first thing that comes which will tell you a little bit at least about your theology of church or at least your experience of it perhaps or where you're at with that. The Bible, if we did some Bible word association with church, it would come up with things like body, wouldn't it? Body of uh, different, made up of different parts, the body of Jesus, a building made up of living stones, a flock of sheep, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit is another image, the people of God, the bride of Christ. That's a beautiful one, isn't it? Collectively, not individual brides, interestingly, but we collectively, the church, the bride of Christ, I think that tells us quite a bit about the theology of Jesus towards church, a bride. He absolutely loves the church uh, and wants for all, the very best for the church, feels a unique love for us. So we're continuing tonight in this uh, series. If you've missed uh, previous weeks, it's about healthy habits, it's about things and practices, fairly practical, that we need to work into our lives. They're the kind of scaffolding that help us in our life with God, wherever we're starting from. And if you haven't even started a life with God and you're in the building tonight, you're so welcome. Uh, and it's great that you're here. Everybody's welcome wherever we're going from. And tonight we're talking a little bit about that thing called church, church community. And what does that relationship look like um, between you and me as individual believers and the church, us, we, collectively together? Um, there's only one church, capital C, it's, it's, there's only one body, Jesus is the head, so there's only one church, there's lots of local expressions of that, small c church, and we're one of them. Uh, but what is your relationship like at the moment with the church, and where could that relationship be more healthy? That's the whole point, we're, we're a growing people, we don't want to stay stuck. I'm imagining that you want your relationship to that thing called church to become more healthy than it is at the moment. You may feel it's very healthy, but there might be a bit, bit more health to come. And I'm going to be really honest, I'm always nervous about a message like this, because it, it can feel a little bit challenging, frankly. It can feel a little bit, oh no, um, I'm not going to feel good enough about this. Or possibly the opposite. It might just, there might be a box and you, you feel your, yeah, church, tick, love that, absolutely love church, and right, right on the page with Jesus about church, love church, community, embedded, serving, giving, all the rest of it. So I, I can switch off at this point in my smugness and pray for those who are feeling terribly guilty, because uh, you, your relationship with church is not quite as functional. Uh, let's uh, reject both of those and listen to the Lord for what he might want to say. The world at its worst, you've heard me say this before, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. The world at its worst, and it's pretty grim in so many places, not least in our own culture, which I would say carries more hostile values to kingdom values than probably ever in the existence of this country in many ways. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. How could we be the church at its best? And by the way, why, why is it? Why does, why does the world need the church? Because it's Jesus' plan. Uh, the church is the hope of the world. We are it. Come to that in a minute. But what's your role in that is the question. Let's make it a little personal tonight. What is your role in that, in the church being at its best? It sounds a bit crass to say it, but I, I, I even thought about not saying it, but I wondered if the Holy Spirit had even made, given me a phrase which says, you can make the church better. You know, you won't find that in a verse in the Bible, but actually I think it's true. By the same token, we have to acknowledge that you can make the church worse. <laughs> How are we doing with that? When Jesus was thinking about extending his movement and his dream beyond his own physical life on, on earth. He basically only had one plan, if you think about it. One, he did one thing. He only did one thing. He didn't found a new nation. He didn't form a government. He didn't get together some clever people and do a think tank. He didn't assemble an army. 
He didn't leave behind any financial resources to get something going. He didn't create any kind of infrastructure. He didn't uh, have any budget. He didn't leave any buildings. He didn't leave any influential contacts that we'd normally associate with being crucial to grow some sort of organization. What he left behind was a small group. That's what he left. He started a life group, and, and he left behind a life group. Mark 3.13, he went up to the hills, he invited those he wanted to be with him, and they came to him. His plan to change the whole world forever, to change Cheltenham, to transform Gloucestershire, and on into eternity, was this. People together. Firstly with him, that's where the first call, the first call is always to him, to be with him, but then to be with each other. And that was it, that was the plan. Be that people together with me, with him. After Calvary, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, the original group gets sent out, and the plan just gets replicated. And we're just going to read a few verses of how it went in those early days. Hills was talking from this uh, this morning in a great message, similar theme. And Jesus had prayed that the church will be one. He'd prayed that, uh, that the believers will be together. Uh, and here in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, we get a picture of how that prayer began to be answered. It reads like this. If we've got the words on the screen. So they devoted themselves. You remember the passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Oh, and a bit as an afterthought. Oh, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved in huge measure by the way. That was the plan. And here it is beginning to be worked out. Just an ordinary bunch of people, but brought to life by an extraordinary God and filled with his spirit, doing what he had said, continuing the journey of being together, eating together, meeting together, sharing stuff together. There's lots of everythings in there, lots of alls. No one was left out. Extraordinary picture, isn't it, actually, of community. They were busy, they were doing stuff. They weren't sitting on their hands, but praying and no doubt arguing and crying and eating and celebrating and blessing and reaching out to others. It's a really simple picture. I'm sure it wasn't always simple because we're complicated people. But there is something unstoppable about the church. Utterly unstoppable about the church. And totally compelling. And if you're a follower of Jesus, let's just remind ourselves, friends, there isn't an opt-in or an opt-out choice. By definition, to be a follower of Jesus, if that's what you would say of yourself, you haven't so much opted in as been adopted in. We're in, we're it. The church is not that thing over there that I can go to or not go to or be part of or not be part of. It's not over there. Trinity, as this expression of local church, is not an it over there. It's not a you over there. Maybe that you're not a, you don't feel part of this uh, church family, you've only just become coming, or you, you, your fellowship is a different church, but you, you get the point. It's an us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of, we are part of the church. There's no, there's no escaping it, hard luck. We are in relationship already. You won't find 
anywhere in the New Testament or read through the New Testament conclude that it's possible to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but not be part of his church. You won't find that. You also find, by the way, that it's not possible uh, to grow as a follower of Jesus without being a part of his church, and that's partly what this message is about. And, and what was to be their hallmark, by the way, this group of people that Jesus set going and filled with his spirit, what was to be their main characteristic? Well, obviously, it was to be the, the hallmark of the, the leader who initiated it. Uh, and he had many, but primary among all of them was the hallmark of, of love. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And just before he dies which is when you say your most important things, the things which really, really matter. He gets the little group together, John 13. A new command I give to you, John 13, 34. Uh, And by the way, that's quite a striking thing because in Jewish thinking, only God can give commands. So he's saying it with all the authority of God. A new command I give to you, love one another, he says. And of course, that's not new at all. That's not news to them to love one another. The next bit is the bit which is the clincher, the kicker, if you like. Love one another as I have loved you. Again, not saying anything that we don't know, but love as I have loved you. Love in that costly way. Love in that sacrificial way. To love, love one another. That's to be the hallmark of this group of people. That is what will change the world. Came across a beautiful story of the costliness of love. Um, And so love always invites pain, by the way, doesn't it? If you want a pain-free life, don't love anybody. Um, But that would be a very sad way to live, wouldn't it? To love is always to invite pain. You cannot love without inviting pain into your, love, into your life. So there's a boy and a sister, and the sister has got a disease which the boy had, the young boy had, two years previously. He survived it. The only way that the sister is going to survive it is if uh, he's given, um, she's given a transfusion of his blood because he, only he carries the right kind of blood. And the, the doctor explains this, and he, he's slightly trembling but sort of says, oh, okay, if, it, if it's for my sister, I will. And he's wheeled into the, the hospital and uh, he grins at his sister and lies back on the bed and the grin slightly disappears as the needle goes into his arm. He sees his own blood being kind of drained out of his arm. And sometime later, when, when the doctor's sort of beginning to, to wrap up and finish, he turns to the doctor and he says, so, so when do I die? Because he had interpreted the doctor as saying that by giving his blood to his sister, he would die. But he was prepared to do that for his sister. Well, there's love right there. Echoes of a deeper and greater love. How does Cheltenham, how does Gloucestershire get to hear of the good news, get drawn into the family of God, discover its purposes? How do people become aware of a father who loves them and wants them to live in relationship with him and wants for them to discover the design that he has uniquely over their lives and the purposes for which they're on the planet. How how does that happen? Plan A is called the church, the hope of the world, the deliverers of that message, and there's no plan B. And what is the, the hallmark of that church when it's at its best? It's that we would love each other, that we would love each other that we would love each other, that we would love each other. That verse goes on to say in John 13, and by this everyone will know that you're my followers if you love one another. Occasionally, just occasionally, we get messages or we, we may even feel ourselves. You might be one of them, and you might feel, oh, forget this whole kind of holy huddle, lovey-dovey stuff. Actually, there's a whole world of need out there, and we just need to be on the streets, and we need to be doing stuff, and we need to be reaching out, and we need to be evangelizing, we need to be all of that. And I'm for all of that. We're for all of that. But it's actually not what Jesus says. He does say those things. But he says, not instead of. He says, actually, the way that the world will be reached 
is by a bunch of people who are so loving, and actually they love each other so effectively, that others will be drawn into that kind of life. That is so compelling, isn't it? So compelling. We reach Gloucestershire by loving each other. We reach your workmates in your college, we, we, un, students in the university. How? By loving each other, sure. Then taking that love, reaching out, absolutely. It's not an, an either-or thing. Loving one another, the Bible breaks that down into, in, in a whole variety of ways, and we haven't got time to do half of what I've written in my notes. Um, I'll just do three really briefly. It's a great word study. Perhaps I could encourage you to do this, if, have you, if you've not done this for a bit. What does this mean? This needs to look like something, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 love one another. We, we get that. Well, hang on a minute. What does that mean? What does that mean as a body of believers here to love one another? Well, in the New Testament, if you, if you Google one another, you find, I don't know how many there are, I'm going to guess, 20, 30 different, love, uh, different one another's. And they're all a subset of love. All of them are about loving, different ways of loving. But they've got teeth. There's real practical teeth here. So I don't know if we, have we got a screen of one of those, Jamie? Did I put some one another's on? There, there we go. There's a few of them. They're all under the subset of love, but bear with one another, pray for one another, be subject to one another, that's popular, encourage one another, accept, honour, don't judge, forgive, confess sins, and so on. Do a word study sometime. And um, again, it runs the risk of being a little bit tick, I'm good at that one, three out of ten for that one, whatever, Uh, which isn't a great way of doing it, but allow the Holy Spirit to to speak. These are real practical things, friends, and we need to grow in them because this is part of our loving and we're a motley bunch, aren't we? Let's be honest, um, of believers. I remember Floyd McClung told a great story of when he was in Kabul, and the church that was there was so strange because it was in Afghanistan, and there were, there were very top military people, and then there were backpackers uh, driving through, and then there were, um, not driving, you know, passing through, and then there were um, NGOs. And, and he, he tells the story of this bunch of people who just look so dysfunctional together. Why would you ever put these people together in a room? And initially, as that church got going, it was really awkward. And loving one another happened at a very surface level. Because actually, frankly, we find it much easier to approach and like people who are a bit more like us. And that was so obviously not the case in this gathering. And he said, but as time went by, the Holy Spirit did an amazing thing. He really wove hearts and minds together, and they began to trust one another. They began to see past their superficial differences, to see that they were family together. They were united in Jesus together, and they could begin to relate to one another, not on the basis of whether you're rich or poor or a soldier or educated or whatever, but on the basis that Jesus loved you just like he loves me, and let's do some life together. And it became this compelling, attractive, beautiful thing in the middle of a war-torn city, And guess what happened? Other people were attracted towards it because there was something so precious. Jesus didn't, by the way, exactly choose the most most, uh, functional bunch of people together, did he? Let's be honest, there were a whole um, interesting crowd of of folks. Simon was a zealot, which meant that he hated the tax collectors. Guess what Matthew was? (laughs) You know, I think he deliberately had a bit of a laugh and put people together who shouldn't normally go together. He started a small group movement, and it continues. Of course, loving one another is, is not um, easy. It's hard. I just want to ask the question, who are you going deeper with? Who are you going deeper with? Have fellowship with one another, is one of the one another's. Have fellowship with one another. Who are you going deeper with? Uh, and it's great to go deeper with uh, a close family member um, and friends who you really, really like. That's so important. 
I think there's a little bit of an imperative, friends, though, to go deeper with others, too, who aren't quite like us. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's a very strong word, isn't it? And fellowship just means togetherness. They devoted them, and clearly in, in a bunch this large, we can't devote ourselves to everybody, that's a nonsense, but all of us can devote ourselves to some people, and we can get together with some people, and I think the challenge there is, are we doing that? Are we meeting together? Hebrews 10, one of my favorite verses on this, this says, don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, spur one another on to love and good works, meet together, there, there's the verse up there. Meet together. So fellowship starts. It might need to get richer and deeper as we trust one another and as we share life and as we begin to be accountable to each other and that. And let's aim for that. But it starts with just meeting together, friends. So I just want to hurl out at a very practical level. How, how are we doing on that one? How is our loving one another deeply as a fellowship working out in terms of our meeting together? And, and I know that some of you are going, well, we're here, aren't we? <laughs> And I'll go, yeah, we are, absolutely. But let's be honest, in a, in a number like this, it's a little hard week by week just to devote ourselves in that, in that ever-deepening fellowship type of a way. A Sunday gathering like this is really, really important. We do some really crucial things together as a, as a group when we meet like this. Um, we get to you know, share a bit of an identity together. We get to praise and worship. We get to hear some testimony, some teaching. We get to minister to one another. But it's, it's, it's not that rich, deep community, isn't it? We don't pretend that it is. Um, I'm not suggesting we, we shouldn't make new friends and, and that kind of thing and make connections. That's really, really important. But uh, if this is our only hit, uh, does that stack up to me devoting myself to others in, in fellowship? It's why we create space, isn't it? And encourage each other in different ways of meeting together. And it doesn't have to look like life group, although that's a pretty good uh, place to, to begin. And please don't hear me say that even in every life group that's what happens, but it's why we create those, those arenas, isn't it? for life together, for sharing together, for learning, crying, going deeper, trusting one another, etc. And there'll be others, all kinds of other ways, the newcomers group, the alpha group, um, just serving on a team or just getting yourself together with a bunch of others in an intentional and regular way. Makes me so sad when we miss out on this. Of course, our spirits are at war with our flesh. Even as I say some of this, um, it's, it's hitting some triggers of, well, I tried that in the past and I didn't like it. Um, people were unkind to me or, or whatever. Or actually just our flesh going, I'd prefer not to. That sounds like hard work. To all of these one another's, there's always a kind of counter in our flesh. You know, the Bible talks about our flesh and our spirit. Flesh is shorthand for our old nature, that slightly self-absorbed bit of us that doesn't really want to pay the cost for anything that's rather difficult. And uh, in this respect, our culture is, by definition, it's the world. It reinforces an individualism, doesn't it, and an independence. Independence is actually very prized in our in our world at the moment. Ooh, independent-minded. There's even a newspaper called The Independent, and, and that's seen as a terribly good thing. Well, I'm not saying it's not, but it's not a great picture of discipleship with Jesus, which is about dependence on God and interdependence on one another. So you might have, I, I believe they have, it's a long time since I did teaching, but um, individual learning agreements, I, I believe, is a thing in school or university 
Well, that so easily becomes my individual discipleship program, doesn't it? I'll have a little bit of a Sunday, thanks very much, and I'll maybe pop down to a different church in town if so-and-so is speaking, and I've got my podcast, and I've got my worship music, and they've got the odd book, and I might dip into life group occasionally when I know it's not going to be too painful and there's food on offer. And, and, I, and I sort of piece together my individual disciple, and I'm done and dusted, thanks very much. That's me sorted. I'm on my track to growing in Jesus. I've got news for you. No, you're not. The Bible makes it really, really clear. We cannot grow as lone rangers. We cannot grow. It's simply not possible. And I'm, please hear me. There's, there's no judgment in what I say at all. Uh, I, but I do feel passionate about this. And I feel a great compassion. There was a guy, uh, he used to uh, pop up at the back a couple of years ago. And I would occasionally, when he was out, occasionally go over. And he would say, oh yeah, I just, I just come for the bits of the celebration that I like. Uh, and then I disappear again. Sometimes I go to another church. And he told a story roughly like the one I've just told. And that man has not grown. Uh, and actually, of course, what's happened is because he has not connected in any meaningful sense as a follower of Jesus with any other followers of Jesus, uh, other than on his own terms, entirely his own terms, uh, he's drifted away and is absolutely nowhere now in his faith. There's something about fellowship that really matters. That just begins with getting together. By the way, podcasts and books and worship on iTunes, all that, that's all really great, but not as a replacement for what, what, what somebody calls embodied discipleship. Embodied, as in we need our bodies there. Me in the same space as you, eating together and praying and crying and doing messy stuff and opening the Bible and being real with each other. Matters so much. I'm going to do the last two really, really quickly. Um, serve one another. There's a great expression of loving one another. Jesus, a great verse, uh, John 13. Uh, in the one translation, it says this. Jesus showed the full extent of his love to this small group. And you're going, wow, wh what's he going to do now? He, this is Jesus. He's going to show the full extent of his love. He's going to do something amazing. Wow, what's it going to be? It's going to... Do you know what he does? Do you know that, that passage? Gets down on his knees, puts a towel around his waist, washes camel dung off their feet. The full extent of his love. To love is to give, isn't it? It's to serve, it's to be otherly, it's to bless others. And there's nothing better than serving. So what's your serving one another looking like at the moment? What's the serving of the church looking like? What does our flesh say, by the way? Now, our flesh says, I want to be on the receiving end of the serving, please, not the giving end. It's a great kind of thing. In fact, we'll just show this little clip. Uh, here's a little clip of, um, it's one of those spoof things. Um, be alert to what the Lord might say, though. And just in terms, on this dimension of, am I looking always to receive stuff, or, or might I be looking to give stuff? Thanks, Jamie. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Homes. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not like, for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right. I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen. It's just... Okay, you cried during Cake Boss. 
So like if we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts, there are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you know? Yeah. We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey guys, I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Mom. Hey guys, welcome to Church Owners. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh. <laughs> he does dress as age, though, so we won't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full giggly yet. Holes in the knees or no? Oh, it's frayed? No, it's frayed. Yeah. Okay, got it. Let me show you around. Okay. Right, oh, I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby, you know? It's not too big, not too small. No. There shouldn't be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Honestly, <laughs> right up front, uh, didn't love the name. Not these days. We're looking for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, kind of a Radian Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Now remember, it's pretty traditional here. So when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down. Oh God! Yeah. But the one knock on this church, they still use the child care numbering system on the screens. Ooh, oh. Yeah. Or as the moms like to call it, the sanctuary walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunday morning experience was just. Too traditional for, for us. I mean, the pastor's main point: 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are gonna love this place. I like it. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse. You know? Scripture-heavy sermons. Oh yeah. Yeah. What about uh, as a comedian? Absolutely, right? Oh, women in ministry. The parking situation, you guys gotta see it. It's super rare now. It was like a, a maybe for when my parents oh, come to town. Yeah. We're a church for Christmas, Easter type of church. Like a holiday type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. And there's a great welcome team you can join. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. It's called Church. There's about three or four more in the series, by the way, and they're even more funny than the first one, but you need to see the first one. I don't think I need to say too much more about that, do I, as we just let that uh, sort of sink in just a little bit. It's just the dimension of, okay, wh wh where, have I, where have I flicked into customer mode uh, rather than contributor mode? And it's not, friends, of course it's not as if... Uh, there aren't places of receiving. It's so, of course, uh, many times we, we just come to receive, even perhaps even the Sunday gatherings, especially where there's a little less opportunity for participation. Maybe there is a certain thing about receiving there. But actually, Jesus said it's more blessed to, to give than to receive. And in giving, we, we receive. That's the sort of dynamic of the kingdom, isn't it? So just on that dimension, what, is, what does serving look like for you? It's not rocket science. Um, it don't, won't always line up with our gifts and our passions. It's great when it does. If you're brilliant with kids, uh, and then the kids team is a great team for you to join. But is there an anointing for moving chairs? I don't think so, but it, chairs need moving. Uh, is there a gift of washing up? I'm not sure I've come across it, but there's still some lovely people who choose to wash up, or whatever it might be, babysitting for people midweek so that to enable um, young parents to go to life group together, or whatever, whatever. 
use imaginations, but, but where are we at with serving? Is my relationship, back to where we started, the question, what's my relationship to church look like? And even that first thing that you thought of when I said church, did it have a dimension of it's something for me, something that I get, that I'm looking to get? Or did it have the, more of the dimension, something that I'm looking to give, because actually I am church, I'm part of church? It's not that, that, that uh, purveyor of religious products and services that I go and pay my money and I get a product from. I'll leave, I'll leave that one there. Encourage one another is the last one I just wanted to mention. Encourage one another. I think that encouragement is oxygen for the soul. Hills and I do, or have done in the past, various parenting type things, uh, helping parents, including ourselves, to raise kids. And if we had one, if we said to parents, if there's only one tool in the toolbox for parenting that you were allowed, for us, it will be encouragement. The power of encouragement is utterly extraordinary. I'm a sports person, you know that, in stadiums, in football matches. Uh, why is it that the home record of a football team is always miles better than their away record? The, pit, the football pitch is the same size wherever you go. The ball is the same shape. There's the same number of players on the team. The rules are the same. The only difference is that in home matches, you've got the power of most of the crowd shouting for you, and away matches, you haven't. The power of encouragement is massive. And I would just love it, for, it, it. All of these one another's are great. But under that brand of how are we loving one another, wouldn't it be great if we were known as a church that was so encouraging? So, so encouraging. And by encouraging, by the way, I literally mean that. I mean that kind of, those kind of people who put courage into one another. There's something beautiful about affirmation, and we all need affirmation. But it's not the same as encouragement. Uh, Josh... You are absolutely, you're amazing, you're incredible, you've never had a duff day, you've nailed it every single time, you're amazing. That's not even affirmation, that's lying. <laughs> that's flattery, actually, it's just flattery, which is a form of lying. Affirmation is to go, Josh, you, you're a really great worship leader, and you've grown so much in the past couple of years, and um, you, you did a really good job tonight, thank you. That's affirmation, right? Encouragement is to say, Josh, I know you've got a conference coming up in a few weeks' time, and you're looking to put a team together, and the team's a bit short, uh, and it's not looking great, but God's got it. God says that his grace is sufficient for you, for your every need. Uh, he's going to provide for you. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. You've got what it takes, because God's promised that he's going to help you. That's encouragement, right? He hasn't got a conference coming up in a few weeks' time, but probably... You, well, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you have. Yeah, he's thinking, oh no. You get, you get the difference, friends. I, I, and we need all of these. We, we need all of them. I, I'm just, because I had to pick on a few, I just felt my, the Lord draw attention to that one. Encouragement is massively, massively powerful. As we, it's, a, it's a hand in the small of the back. It's not just a pat on the back, well done. It's a, no, come on, you can do this. And that might come in the form of a prayer. Can I pray for you? It might come in the form of, I'm going to choose to listen for, uh, to God for you, a word from God for you that I'm going to give. Is that easy to do? What does our, you know, the spirit says, yeah, I want to do that. Our flesh says, no, I can't be bothered. Particularly, I can't be bothered if I don't especially know that person or like that person or whatever. Well, I've got to cross the room and, and what, what, I've got to do that messy thing called pray. What happens if I, had, if I don't, you know, all of that? Our flesh will always come up with excuses. But there's something just beautiful and, and, and powerful about encouragement. I need to stop. Love one another. A new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. And by this... Everyone will know who you are. Everyone will see what you carry. You'll be a church, you'll be a people, you'll be groups that will 
follow on in that extraordinary tradition of Jesus people getting together and being real together and doing life together and sharing together and working together. And sure, it costs quite a bit, but the rewards are extraordinary because not only do their lives get changed, but other people's lives get changed too. And a community gets changed and a school and a hospital and a university and a town and a region and a city and eventually a world because the world at its worst needs the church at its best. So what's our role in that? Let's be asking God for his grace to help us to play our role well. And now let's stand. Let's invite him to... help us on our way from this place. Have a stretch, have a yawn. Wake up again if you've been dozing. But as always, friends, can I, can I encourage us just to, to, to give some real focused attention to God right now, um, just so that we know what we're leaving with. seems to me that closing eyes is a, is a good start for focusing attention. That's up to you. The Lord knows. And it may well be that the Lord has already um, said some things that you know are from him and they're for you. Uh, in which case, your job is to say, yes, Lord. Yes to those things. And thank you for speaking. But let's just be, be quiet for a minute as we... Ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak, to underline, to move on hearts. Lord. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that there's no condemnation. Thank you there's no judgment from you. Thank you, Lord, that you call us the bride of Christ. You love us with that kind of intensity. Thank you that you do. And Lord, would you show us a little more clearly what that looks like on our end of things? what loving one another deeply looks like. What being a bride who presents herself at her best looks like for us. Lord, we thank you for your church. Thank you for this beautiful, amazing, extraordinary 
drawing together of, of a family. Thank you that that's your plan, Lord. Thank you, Father. And would you instill in us a fresh love, Lord, for your church. Thank you that you love your church. You love us individually. You love your church. God, would you give us your love for your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And show us our part, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think the Lord is uh, wanting to kindle a fresh love for his people. And, um, and if that's you, then don't waste any further time. We'd just love to create space for, for folks to be prayed for as usual. I'm thinking the best sort of space is maybe down here somewhere. Then the team can kind of come and access. So if that's you, if you know that the Lord is speaking, just wanting to have a fresh love for God's people, fresh love for the church. I especially want to say that if you're somebody who's experienced disappointment in church, uh, even been hurt, and frankly, churches, people, we hurt each other, we disappoint each other. And that's hard. I don't diminish that at all. But now is a great moment to, to, for the grace of God to, to touch that in a fresh way. So if that's you, just come. If you know that uh, God's asking you to step into something that's uh, new or fresh, just come. Just make your way forward. Just come. Thank you. That's it. Just come. Need some folks to come and pray as well in a minute. If you know that your love has just gone a bit cold, um, you'd love to have a depth of love from the Father, but uh, actually the, the, the temperature is just cool at the moment. Um, I believe God is wanting to stir a fresh love for him, but w with that will come for other people also. It might be that you're just somebody who needs filling with his spirit and encouraging for what lies ahead of you, putting courage in. The Holy Spirit wants to put courage into us today. Did a lot of that this morning. I love that we'd, that we'd do that. If that's you, you just, needs to put, you just need some courage. You need some confidence and some courage as you head into whatever it is that you're facing in the next few days. This is, this is the place for that. Just come. The Lord will put courage in you. He will. Just come. It's great. We could do some, some of the members of the family as it were just just come and pray hand on a shoulder have half an ear for what the Lord is saying be great if we can just be listening to the Lord and then passing on what we hear we don't have to explain everything A strange word uh, about um, healing tonight, uh, which was simply left side. Uh, and I take that to mean that in particular, if you've got a problem with any part of the left side of your body, whether that's the left side of your head, torso, legs, whatever, um, that, that's what I heard. So we, we just love to pray for healing. We'll pray for, of course, for healing for anything, but it was a sense of something in the left side of bodies that God wanted to particularly kind of minister to and bless so so good 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Might need to find a little bit of space if you're if you're a bit close to each other, just kind of spread out a bit. Um, Jamie, can you move some chairs? Is that okay? And, and if you've come up for prayer and nobody's uh, with you, would just raise a hand so we can see you. Just raise a hand nice and high. Okay. Friends, if, if there's two or three on my left-hand side, if you'd be kind of... This is a way that we serve each other, isn't it? Bless each other. We're church together. Love one another. We get to join in. And God gives us grace to do so. Thank you. I say this gently, it may be that uh, you're in that position of, yeah, not, not sort of condemnation and guilt, but, but certainly conviction from the Lord that your relationship with that thing called church has been pretty dysfunctional. And um, the starting point for that is to turn around, it's to say sorry, it's to confess that to God who's gracious and forgiving. For some of us, that's, that may be where we need to begin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of you. God, we pray more of you. More of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. As always, we're going to carry on praying. Visitors, if you're, or those who are new to us, thanks so much for being here. Uh, The team have got tea and coffee at the back in a minute, and there's a welcome desk over there for information. I hope we welcomed you well. Lord, would you bless us? Would you bless us to be church at its best, or at least set us a little further on the track towards that for the sake of the world, for the sake of those who don't yet know you. God, bless us to be church at our best. Fill us and give us grace for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.